Soil is a vital living ecosystem that supports plants, animals, and humans. It's teeming with billions of bacteria, fungi, and other microbes that are the foundation of a complex ecosystem. Viewing soil this way reflects a fundamental shift in the way we care for it. Today on the show, we're talking with Joel Salatin of Polyface Farm in Swoop, Virginia. Welcome to the show, Joel. Well, I'm Joel Salatin, and of course, our, our family uh, owns Polyface Farm in Virginia's Shenandoah Valley, a little um, village called Swope. It's really, it's just a post office at these days. Used to be an old railroad siding, but um, our family came to the area in 1961. Dad was an accountant, mom was a school teacher, and bought this worn out gully rock pile. That's why I think it was cheap. And um, so we've, you know, we've spent now um, 60 years developing, um, developing the land, healing the land, and building a farming enterprise on it. The first 10 years were primarily experimentation. Dad got a hold of some early Andre Voisin work with uh, rotational grazing control, what, what Voisin called rational grazing and um, started playing with some electric fence, developing a, a, a mobile electric, a, a portable electric fence system. And um, we started seeing some real benefits there. And of course that then necessitated, well, how do we get water? You know, you're gonna move them around, they can't always go back to a stream or a, a pond. And um, how do you get shade? We don't have trees everywhere. And so, you know, Portable, a portable shade mobile soon developed. And then, you know, we started uh, building little ponds and started installing, you know, water system. And um, today, you know, we've, we've moved the organic matter from 1% to 8%. And we've moved the fertility roughly to, to 10 times, you know, what it was at, at that time. And um, we've added a lot of species. So now we have you know, beef, pork, chicken, lamb, turkey, duck eggs, rabbit, and we direct market everything to about 8,000 families, um, you know, a couple dozen restaurants, and we ship nationwide, and we have a farm store, and the farm supplies, you know, um, about 25 salaries. So it's not a backyard operation, and um, so we, we direct market, we have a branded, you know, the, a branded product that goes out. And um, perhaps the, you know, the most important thing right now is that we now for over 25 years, we've run a very formal apprenticeship and stewardship program. And um, we put a lot of time and attention on developing this, this team of young people and then germinating young farmers to go out and, uh, and, and, and do this. And that's, that's some of our most enjoyable, exciting, satisfying work uh, in, the, in the movement. Sure, so, so you know, we, we looked around and, um, and said, well, you know, how does nature do these things? My dad, my dad was an economist and he, he viewed the, the chemical, I'll just say the chemical approach as being like a drug addiction. You got to get more potency, you've got to get more volume, you know, you, you just, it's, it's a treadmill and you can never get off of it. And he saw the biological approach as being 
more resilient and it takes less and less you know every year once you once you build the biology into the system uh, it, it takes less and less and so we you know we um, we got a hold of early permaculture stuff when Bill Mollison first you know uh, was introduced to the world and uh, we started looking at, at these natural systems and what we saw was you know they were very simple actually um, animals move you know we live in a time when animals aren't supposed to move you know they, they you lock them up in a you know in a in a house and, and they don't move so animals have to move well if animals move you got to have you got to have movable water movable shelter movable feed you know everything's got to move and so so our our innovative infrastructure has grown out of out of a phrase that's as simple as animals move uh, next animals are never just one but they're always linked up relationally complex with something else you know the egret on the rhino's nose the the predator the prey the you know and, and so um, so we began we began running chickens laying chickens behind the cows the chickens scratch through the cow pies eat out the fly larvae and act in symbiosis with the cows uh, those those kinds of systems you know rabbits rabbits are above the chickens uh, chickens scratch under the rabbits make compost so the ammonia from the rabbit urine doesn't come back up into the rabbits you know those kinds of intricate systems uh, hoop houses for for chickens in the winter pigs and chickens in the winter and rabbits and then we grow vegetables in them in the summer you know so the so in the winter for a hundred days the the chickens eat up all the bugs and stir in all the old leftover you know uh, uh, vegetable plants and um, and then in the spring the vegetables go back in and it's all been sanitized by the chickens you know for the hundred days of winter so you know those kinds of very intricate um, uh, intricate uh, uh, complex relationships um, another uh, big one was you know fertilizer didn't come from outside um, the, the the soil developed fertility in situ you know carbon whether it's trees or grass or whatever, uh, carbon grows on site. It either gets eaten and pooped or it, it, it falls over and decays. But the point is nature doesn't import fertility from out far away. It, 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 it runs um, uh, in, internally almost. Water, you know, um, we, you know we, we need water. Beavers had you know, water all over the place, so we started building ponds. Um, and then, you know, in nature, the, the whole commerce is pretty regionalized. It, it, it's not, I mean, there's always been a, a global trade in things, but it's kind of periphery things. You know, it's a spice trade. It's, it, it's other things. But the, the foundation of any regional uh, diet is, is primarily grown within that region. And so we began, you know, we began direct marketing. We also knew that as a small farmer, uh, we had to, we had to wear those notorious middleman hats to increase our margin because we couldn't make it on on volume and with you know with, with slow, low margins so by wearing the middleman hats of of, uh, of processor marketer and distributor we were able to get the whole hundred percent of the retail dollar and suddenly you know we were making as much you know we could make as much with ten thousand chickens as as a commodity producer you know makes with uh, a million chickens. That's a game changer. 
and uh, and it, it, it made the farm uh, it made the farm doable, profitable. Even as a small farm, we were able to earn a full-time living. So as a foundation, what we see and what we've experienced is that we cannot ever tap out the abundance of the resource base. Now that, that's really different than the average farmer who thinks, you know, we 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 can't you know we can't get any more off of this land base, and you know the kids grow up coveting the neighbor's land because the only way to have two salaries is to double the land base, you know, those sorts of things. We're, 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 completely, we're completely opposite that. Uh, so, so one of the things that one of my favorite memories from dad before he passed away, he died young, he died in 1988. One of the things that we did um, was, and Teresa and I had only been on the farm now for then for what, uh, not even six years, but we, we, we felt at that point, six years in, we, we came to the farm full-time September 24, 1982, and, um, and we, were, we were pretty, at that time, it took us about three years till we finally said, I think we're gonna make it. And so we were, you know, we were five years in, and Dad said, Let, let's do a brainstorming session on how many salaries this place could, could support. And so we sat down, I, I still have the yellowed piece of paper in the file of, of, with his writing on it, and we just sat down and brainstormed how many salaries could be produced here? And I think, if I remember correctly, it was like 21 that we came up with at that time, 21. And, um, and we realize now that that's, that's not even scratching the surface of what's potential. So, you know, you've got, I mean, we, we, stack, we stack broilers, uh, layers, turkeys, cows, sheep, all of those can be stacked on the same acre at different times of the year. You know, they, they follow, they lead, they, okay, they're all stacked on. Well, then suddenly, you know, you're up there in the, you know, you're up there in the uh, $10,000, $12,000 an acre income. That's, that's significant, okay, that's significant. And, um, and then, you know, we, we've added pigs. The, the pigs aren't on the, the, the nice pastures because they dig holes and stuff. So pigs are on separate, you know, separate things. But they're in a lot of these marginal, marginal woodland, you know, these kind of a, um, marginal areas. And, um, and, and, you know, and they generate, um, you know, uh, $4,000 an acre. Uh, well, actually they generate, let's see, 10 times, they generate $10,000 an acre. That's, that's gross. That's not, not net, but, uh, anyway, it's, it's significant. And, um, and then, then you start, I mean, we can sell firewood. Now we have a, we have a bandsaw mill. So now we have a, a whole lumber, a lumber profit center. We can cut lumber for our own projects. So when Daniel and Sarah got married, uh, we saved $30,000 on their building their house because we milled our own lumber. Uh, we, can, we, can, we, we now lease 14 properties in the area. Most of them come to us very neglected. So they need a corral. Well, the average farmer would look at that and say, hmm, well, I'm not sure about that place because you know, I've got to you know, put 10 or $12,000 in a corral. All we got to do is spend a couple days on the sawmill we got a nice state-of-the-art corral and we're up and running. So that creates an unfair business advantage to be able to, to, to jump on to um, uh, neglected or, or mismanaged land in the community and, and, and develop our, you know, our, our system on there. Um, I mean, we now, we now collaborate with a, a local grass-based dairy. So now we have chocolate milk, milk, uh, butter, um, 
uh, cheese, all sorts of cheeses, artisanal cheeses. A couple ladies locally, they buy our chicken necks and backs. They turn them into stock, so we sell chicken stock. Um, they even take uh, uh, beef bones and make uh, heavy stews, frozen, you know, so you can get quarts of heavy stew. Um, another gal uh, takes our, our pork fat and makes cosmetics, so you can get ointment and, and uh, you know, uh, chapstick. I mean, it's not chapstick's a brand, but you know, lip balm, you, uh, ointments. We we have um, we have another guy that has uh, 15 hives of honey, uh, honey bees on the place. So now we you know we can have honey, uh, and you can just stack. You know, another one of our our fellows uh, grows. Um, he, he's, he's, he took an interest in uh, tapping maple trees, so he's, he taps our maple trees, and now that's grown to about 100 taps within the community, so radiating out, you know, three miles from the farm in the spring are all these five-gallon buckets with, with maple syrup taps. He, he you know, um, boils that down, and we sell maple syrup in the store. Um, uh, we, you know, we, we've, got, we've got another, another gal that, um, that does uh, farm tours for school groups called Grass Stains Tours. And uh, she's now expanded that into, you know, corporate retreats, birthday presents, anniversary presents. And she does like 100 tours a year, makes almost a full-time living just doing uh, farm tours. We do, uh, we do seminars, we do gatherings for other groups um, that, that, that don't want to go to a hotel anymore. That's kind of new this year, uh, these gatherings. We did, we've done seven this year as a trial, and they've been great. They've been gangbusters. There are, there's lots of money that used to go to Sheraton, Marriott, and Hilton conference centers that's looking for a home. And we can say, hey, why don't you come to a farm? We'll meet in the hoop house. We've got a PA system. The acoustics are great in that, you know, that kind of tubular thing, kind of like a, kind of like being in a silo on its side, you know. And we've got the greatest food in the world. We'll feed you. It's a way to value add our food, sell it as pulled pork and barbecued chicken rather than, you know, whole chicken. And I'm rattling, but 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 you get the idea. There's no end. I mean, you can go flowers. You can do grapevine wreaths. I mean, we can we can have recreational fishing for bass in the ponds. I mean, there's there, there's no end. There's no end to where this can go. And so, uh, the future for us, we feel like. Uh, I mean, and I haven't even touched garden horticulture. You know, we've got plum trees, apple trees, pawpaws. Um, you know, we we can do um, uh, mushrooms. Um, and, and and so there, there's an entire uh, cadre of, of of you know a cornucopia of of opportunity here that I mean I just feel like there's there's no <laughs> there's no end to it. Uh, I mean if, if we if we had a if we had a woodworker for example that wanted to come and we have the sawmill, well if we had a woodworker that wanted to turn that into furniture, well, there's another you know. Uh, opportunity. So there's just, there's no end to it. So the, as I see the future is, the future is that anyone who wants to come and build an economic enterprise that's complementary to what we're doing, non-competitive, there's no end to how many of those we can have. It's, it's, it's literally endless. The Soil Health Podcast is a production of the Minokin Farm. Minokin Farm exists to foster natural resource education and systems approach conservation. This 150-acre demonstration farm, located just east of Bismarck, North Dakota, was established in 2009 and draws people from all over the world. 
the farm is owned and operated by Burley County Soil Conservation District, which has an office in Bismarck, North Dakota. Additional financial and technical support is provided by the North Dakota Department of Health Water Quality Division, Natural Resources Conservation Service, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture.